We're live, pal. Here we go. Georgia sent the Rebels back home with bruised egos, and Michigan squashed any thought Penn State had of forcing a three-way tie at the top of the Big Ten. Gus proved that maybe he's the man. Washington fought off one more attempt by a Pac-12 team to ruin their perfect season. Coaches are starting to get fired now, Andrew. What's your take? So my take is typically a hot take, but anybody that actually knows me like you do, Terry, knows that when I speak with this sort of calmness in my voice, we're really in everybody for it better, now. You better yeah. you better be sounding the alarm. You know, everybody sound the alarm because we have a five alarm fire in Lincoln, Nebraska. And what's on my mind is and and, and we can cover it now or we can cover it later. Uh, is there's what no I like order. To, you know, I put the I like, info out there in the notes, but you hit whatever you want to hit, man. I like to call this November football. This is when we find out if those coaches are really worth eleven million dollars a year or not. And this is what I'll say about the Nebraska Cornhuskers offensive coordinator. Please fire him yesterday. Three quarterbacks, four interceptions, and you call a pass play from third and goal rather than running it in and or kicking the field goal and leaning on your defense, which kept you in the game despite those five turnovers. So this is the time of year where these coaches really have to show who they are and who they aren't, and as we're going to talk about tonight, we've already seen there's a couple of guys that are now in the unemployment line, um, and I can see Terry holding up his whiteboard. We've got jobs going every which way, um, but the big story coming off of off of what I'm saying with the coaching, obviously, is Jimbo Fisher, but we're going to talk about Nebraska a little bit more in depth, but this is what I'm telling you. This is the time of year where coaches, even blowing a team out like Mississippi State, are no longer safe. So they better buckle it up and they better show they're worth their money. Um, for me, pretty mixed weekend. I was a little disappointed in some things. Obviously, my team is not bowl eligible. They have two more chances, Wisconsin and Iowa. Don't know how good those opportunities are, but... Uh, we saw what we saw, and I think there were a lot of surprises this weekend, Terry. There were. You know, what's funny, you mentioned the blowout of Mississippi State. And, you know, I've heard a few places that said they made the decision on Thursday before the game on Saturday, so that's understandable. But there's also graphics out there that talk about the biggest buyouts. So, obviously, this blows my team away. We were sitting at the top of that with a $21 million buyout of Gus Malzahn a few years ago. The funny thing is, you know, obviously the $75 million is, is like more than three times, nearly four times the $21 million buyout. Both of these coaches blew out Mississippi State and then got fired the next day. What a sad situation for that program. I, I guess you don't want to draw Mississippi State in November if you're in the SEC. Um, you know, the aren't aren't I believe is how you say his name there at Mississippi State. I think, quite frankly, he, he got dealt a shit hand that nobody could overcome. 
unless you're a top tier coach, who who's going to replace um, the architect of the air raid offense and Mike Leach. And on top of that, do it at the end of a season. The season wasn't even over last year when Leach passed away. Right. Um, and then, then you're a defensive coordinator who's now the head coach trying to figure out how I manage this air raid offense. And I want to run a pro style because that's what SEC is. But Mike Leach's recruits were all SE, were all pro air style or air raid, excuse me. And then, of course, you have the transfer portal and they all left. You know, a lot of them left. They lost a lot. So, you know, inenviable situation. Now, Jimbo, on the other hand, it's funny. And I don't even know if I said this on air last week. We were talking about Jimbo Fisher's termination or uh, Jimbo Fisher winning or losing last week, whatever it was. And I had in the corner is Jimbo on my notes because I don't have notes today. We have the iPad, thanks to Terry. <laughs> but um, I wrote, is, is Jimbo Fisher proving his contract value? I wrote that in the note. Is it time to fire Fisher? We never, I don't think, even got to that because we had so much other stuff we talked about last yeah. week. Apparently, the Board of Regents at A&M thought the same way I do, that Jimbo's not delivering. But this is this is what I think. And we can, let's talk about Jimbo. Let's, for you know, like you said, itinerary aside, yeah. l- let's talk about if Jimbo. If we don't get to some games that we have, that's just backup info. This is what's important that, right now. So, LSU coordinator, Florida State coordinator, Florida State head coach, A&M head coach. Maybe it was a bad decision to leave Florida State or not, but they didn't give him everything he wanted. And as we saw, and we were all shocked by it, anybody that pays attention to college football, this was the biggest unproven contract in the history of college football for a coach. Saban's $12 million is absurd. The fact he has a $700 million dealership in Florida or whatever it is right now, also absurd. The $24 million mansion Ms. Terry runs, again, absurd. But Saban has a record of winning football games, as does Dabo and all of the rest that have these huge contracts. Jimbo won a national title with Jameis Winston and an awesome defense at Florida State. Then after those those guys went away... He really lost his way as as a football coach, and he demanded a bigger contract, and they let him out of it. So it really wasn't it really wasn't working um, for him right now. And I just I don't know if I'm Jimbo. You know, there was speculation because you know you follow the Auburn sites, I follow the Alabama sites. Will he go back to Alabama rehab? I don't know. Tommy Reese had a pretty good call as the offensive coordinator this weekend. So do you really want him to go to Alabama rehab? I personally think his next stop is Gainesville, Florida. They need a big name coach. They need somebody who can run an offense. Florida has always had uh, good defenses since the uh, the head ball coach era when he hired Stoops in 96. So they're going to recruit. Florida's a huge, huge, huge market for them. He's going to stay in the SEC, and I think that um, – I forget his name right off the top – Napier. I think Napier's done in Florida, particularly after what we saw this weekend, 701 yards by LSU's offense. Yeah. Um, And, look, that was a shootout. What was that, another 87 points scored in the SEC? I think it was 52-35 or whatever it was, but uh, Daniels – 
put his stamp on uh put his stamp on wanting to be the uh Heisman trophy winner as well, even at a seven and three LSU. But back to Jimbo, he's a high profile guy, but he's in the middle of the pack of that high profile. But I don't see him leaving the SEC. There may be an Arkansas opening before this year is over. Um, I think your guy's safe at Auburn. I think Q Freeze is obviously he's safe. Mm-hmm. There's no way Fisher goes to Vandy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you can forget that. So I really think Florida's his landing spot. And I don't know if you even put that on your whiteboard, Terry. And I'm at this point, I, I may be just Florida. rambling, but well, I didn't really put landing spots. For, well, I haven't put Florida. The the teams I put, you know, the the ones that we kind of know. I don't know if Pittman's official or not, but it's sounding pretty darn official. But A and M and Mississippi State, and we're really getting an interesting situation in the SEC. We've got a a race because um, it's it's about to change drastically, especially for A and M because. A&M used to be the SEC Texas team. They're not going to be that anymore. So no, now you've got Texas as yeah. the SEC Texas team, and yeah, and that's Te- a competition they ran whole, from before. <laughs> yeah, brings a whole set of problems. You know, when they were in the when they were in the uh, what was it? The Texas was before the Big Twelve. Was it the Southwest Conference? Because they like had Arkansas in there too, along Big with West Texas or something. And, I don't know. Something There's like that. Several. I don't re- We'll have to do a but whole is- episode. We'll have to do an episode about all the different conferences that have existed in that area of the country because there's been like four of them. That's right. But my point is they've, they've, you know, like you said, they've kind of run and ducked and dodged, mm-hmm. you know, um, because if I have a choice as a football player, and this is no offense to the Aggies, proven track record with Texas and the university in Austin there, yep. or I'm headed to College Station. Um, if I'm a five-star recruit and know I'm getting playing time, hook them horns. I mean, that's not a, it's not a, it's not even a debate at that point. Um, well, maybe and, you know, the only thing I think now though, is with the NIL thing and the way that, you know, obviously it's kind of just the wild west and how you do NIL. It's basically like, we're not paying them to play, but we're paying them to play. Texas A&M has a lot of money. It has not resulted in wins or championships. They haven't won anything since coming to the SEC. You know, some big football games, but they haven't won a division or anything. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know enough about we're not far enough into the NIL thing that I don't know that Texas A&M, with the deep pockets they have over there, might be able to lock onto this if done right and and just buy some players. I don't know. Well, they'll have to buy some players, but they've got to buy a coach too. I mean, whoever, whoever the next coach is, you know, you already gave one guy a hundred million dollars. You're going to tell me I'm not worth a hundred million dollars to come to A&M. Did you see the check at halftime? Yeah, the twelfth man organization gave them one hundred and sixty-four million dollars, and this was kind of like a we laugh at seventy-five million dollars. Here's here's more than twice that. It's hilarious. Yeah they they've got big time donors at A and M, and obviously the donors have some sort of influence. I never really thought Jimbo was a horrible coach, but he hasn't had a team at A and M that he thought he should get. And the other thing is you're sitting in a division with Alabama, Auburn, 
Ole Miss, as we, we're going to talk about, about Lane right. and his crowd. LSU. LSU. And then and that's really recruiting A&M. competition there with LSU because if anybody before Texas comes to town, if anybody in the SEC can compete other than Alabama being national, if anybody in the SEC can compete in recruiting in Texas with you, it's LSU because they're right there. And on top of that, then you go to the east and you have Florida, which, mm-hmm. you know, Florida is uh, the last five, six, eight years been – not Florida, but it's still the University of Florida. It's mm-hmm. still the Gators. It's still the Swamp. You have Tennessee, which obviously Heifel's doing what he can there. And then you've got this big bulldog in the room that stamped their ticket, punched their ticket to, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, December the 2nd, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard you got Time. The time period. and everything. You got the time and, and everything. <laughs> The the ticket updated me that it's going to be a four o'clock football oh, game. Okay. Um. So we know it's going to be Alabama and Georgia. It is again. So Georgia's what's this? The fourth or fifth consecutive appearance in the SEC championship. Um. I mean, a lot. and you're Texas A and M trying to compete against Georgia, Florida. Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, because Auburn will get recruits. Make yeah. no mistake about it. There it's are people that will already. go to. There are people that will go to Auburn to spite Alabama. There are people <laughs> that will go to Auburn to spite Ole Miss because they fired Hugh Freeze. Right. So um, you will have those sort of players. The other thing is, like you said, this is really the first year of the portal. We're gonna see how much that plays a factor into building some of these teams. But I don't know that it influences the, the the changing of the guard in terms of a program because we've talked about it on the show. Alabama, program. Georgia, program. Texas, program. Michigan, program. Ohio State, program. You can have all the transfer portals you want. Those guys are still going to win 10 games a year, minimum. And they're still going to play at the highest levels. And they're going to get the best recruits. Um, and yes, I even included Ohio State. See, I told you, I'm a little bit calm today because I'm kind of over it all, uh, at least with my people. But um, no, I think great, you know, uh, great for Jimbo. I mean, he's getting paid. But you know his ass ain't sitting at home. He ain't going to sit at home. Well, you know? Probably on ESPN <laughs> or something, though. I mean, I don't, I don't see him immediately going, if I'm getting that much money to go away, I'm probably taking a couple of years off. Well, and let's talk about some firings that have happened in the past. Dan Mullen was Urban Meyer's offensive coordinator, ends up going to Mississippi State. Right. Did a great job at Mississippi State. He did. Ends up going ends up going to Florida. I think didn't he have Dak Prescott at Mississippi State? Wasn't that Mullen? He did. Yeah. So he's got Dak at, at Mississippi State. He ends up going to Florida. What did he win? Ten or eleven game or games three seasons in a row, and they still fired his ass after a bad season. I mean, yeah, the demand for performance in the SEC. I think he may have left Quite. for the Florida job. I don't think he got fired. I think he. No, no, I'm talking the... about Florida fired him. Florida oh, fired okay. him after 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 yeah, the eleven win Mississippi season. State yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Florida fired him. And Mississippi State wanted him to stick around because he finally won the Egg Bowl. And right. he finally made, you know, Mississippi State relevant again. But um, I don't know. Like you said, with that Mississippi State job, that's a special coach. 
I almost think that the Texas A&M job is a special coach because who's emerging? I saw someone say Dan Lanning. Why the hell am I leaving Oregon when well, I got that that team flying right now? I believe to in go I'm, to A and M. There's a lot of sources out there, but I believe Lanning's already signed an extension, and I believe Gus Malzahn's already signed an extension. Now, if you got money, you can still pay for that, even though they, you know, even though they signed an extension, you just pay a little bit more. But um, I believe that's already started. They probably all got Sexton as their um, as their agent, so he's making tons of money too. Um, but you know, I've heard these rumors about, hey, what about Dan Mullen going back to Mississippi State? It's one of those things. Can you go home again? Sometimes you can. If you're Kansas State, we've discussed that before. Normally, no. Normally, you bring a coach in that did really well. He goes somewhere else, and you bring him back and you've lost it because football changes and coaches aren't coaches are not the same. Uh, the game is not the same as it was 10 years ago. The reason Nick Saban is doing well is he's adapting. And we've discussed that too, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see Mullen over there. You know, if Gus came back to one of these jobs, that would be interesting. Um, there's not enough coaches. I It'll shock me, um, although most of the Big Ten have new coaches, it would shock me if there wasn't a few that ended up on their ass this season, too. Yeah. Um, same with the Pac-12, you know. Right. Um, so, I mean, but you've got a lot of coaching coaches. I don't necessarily see a lot of coaching candidates for right. some of these openings, though. Because like Not you said, for the expectations Dan the teams have. No, if you're Dan Lanning, as an example, and they're and and A and M wants to write you that hundred million dollar check the same as they did Jimbo. Okay, cool. But I'm here at Oregon, second year in, probably with the best team in the Pac twelve. It's debatable because Washington is it undefeated, is. then you took the L. But but the way Oregon is playing, they are playing at a level right now that no one else in the Pac twelve is matching. Um and we may get to that wonderful USC beat down later. But um, if I'm Dan Lanning and I've already put my people in place, I've got my guys in place, why do I want to leave and start over? When you and I both know, Terry, they're about to get paid going to the Big Ten, and Oregon yeah. is Oregon is a talent-rich school. People want to go play at the University of Oregon. So if I'm Dan Lanning, I don't know that I'm abandoning ship, even if it's about money, because at some point, four or five seasons down the road and you're 500, guess what? You're on your ass. And you may not get the same athletes and the quality athlete that you're getting at Oregon that you're going to get at A&M. And I'm just using Dan Lanning because he's a name that I saw. And it it like confused me or not confused, but it just like it was nonsensical to me. Why in the world? Would a second-year coach who's got them going the right way even right. consider leaving Oregon? And you don't think they'll break out the checkbook in Eugene to keep him? Or, right. like you said, Gus Malzahn at UCF after the beatdown of the man this weekend? I mean, boy, you said it. Cause like, we made fun of that Pac-12. I did that whole rundown last week, or Big 12. But, like, yeah, this ain't worth watching. This ain't worth watching. Well, Kansas loses. Oklahoma State loses. TCU plays Texas to a field goal. 
<laughs> maybe we were wrong about there was nothing to watch in the Big 12 this week. Well, I say that you say that, but I mean, and I was telling you earlier, it's like I put our notes together and I've been putting stats in there. Finally, this time I realized, well, I just take some pictures and just put that in there to do the team stats and stuff like that. And I'm showing all these games and I'm I'm in the Big 12 section putting this these stats in there going, I don't even really give a crap about talking about any of these games. I, yeah. I'm just not interested in the Big 12 anymore. I'm interested in these coaches being fired, and I'm interested in the games that I feel are going to matter for the for the playoff. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying Texas won't go. I'm not saying anything like that, but there's just nothing intriguing in any of these games right now. Now, there's some upsets, nope. obviously, but I just don't care that much about it anymore. No, and I don't think – I don't know that Texas – is playing well enough that they're going to get voted in. They won by three this week, I think. Against TCU, and it yeah. took them overtime last week against Kansas State. Right. So they're not and, – and I believe Ewers was back. And that was he one was. of the things – that was one of the things I got a little criticized about. And, and we're going to talk about – He had a good about, game, but uh, overall they didn't do that well. We're going to talk about it, though, Terry. You and I have stipulated in our rankings – Obviously, everything's subjective. One of the things I look at is who's the head football coach of the team. The other thing we look at is, is there an injury? Because Texas without Ewers is not nearly as good as Texas with him. That's a fact. Um, but speaking of injuries and coming back, if we want to touch on it, mm -hmm. what about Brock Bowers in Georgia? Mims at Georgia, 52-17, between the hedges, 650 yards of their own offense against one of the most prolific offensive coordinators slash head coaches in Lane Kiffin. And Georgia took control of this in the second quarter. Defensive adjustments made at 14-14. And honestly, Terry, I don't know how much of it you saw because I know you're at the wrestling, mm -hmm. but Georgia never looked back. They put the foot on the gas pedal, and they were gone. And so was this an early their... game, or was this? Georgia was, it's... A seven, Georgia was the seven. The primetime game, it was 7 o'clock okay. uh, Yeah, Eastern. so just to inform everybody, I woke up and I went to a parade in the morning, so I missed the first wave of games. I drove to my parents' house about an hour away, and I watched Auburn. <laughs> so I watched that game. And then I went to wrestling in the evening. So I missed a lot, but I record, I probably record 20 games. So on Sunday, I don't watch the NFL. I don't care about the NFL. I picked the games I needed to watch based on, you know, I'm, I'm keeping track of the scores. I'm updating the, the graphics to put out. You know, I've got three waves of score updates to put out. So I know what the scores are. If there's a big surprise, I know what to watch. But I watched the Georgia Ole Miss game and I watched the um, Michigan-Penn State game yesterday on Sunday. So we record Monday but I watched that on Sunday just so I would be a little more knowledgeable about that. But you're right. At the beginning of the game, I guess the first quarter, maybe a little bit over the quarter, I think Ole Miss had 180 yards in the first quarter. 14-14, too, score-wise. I mean, they were yeah. they were two prize fighters, and it was blow for blow. They were literally just matching each other up, score for score. But then at that and point, when Georgia flipped that switch – it wasn't as much a really aggressive boom, boom, boom. It was just constant. Mm -hmm. They're not getting any yards against the Georgia defense. 
Georgia's making the plays and scoring. And it was consistent. 14 points in the first quarter, 14 points in the second quarter, 10 points in the third quarter, 14 points in the fourth quarter. It was 60 minutes. And then the defense just locked it down at some point. You know, Ole Miss came out with some flash, made some plays, and they missed some opportunities too, to be honest. Even though they had that 180 in the first quarter, they uh, missed some passes and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Georgia showed who the class of the SEC is, and they continue to be that. Yeah, so when Georgia's D.C. made the adjustments, he's got the whiteboard out. They showed it on TV. I'm sure all of our fans that listen, all 38 of them this week, Terry, we're going up. We're going up. We got 38 now. <laughs> all 38 of our listeners saw it the same as I did if you watched the Georgia game. He's over there. He's got all 11 guys around him. He's got this big-ass whiteboard, and he's sitting there writing on it, and they're sitting there figuring it out, blah, blah, blah. Next series, three and out, Old Miss didn't have a damn answer for the Georgia right. defense. And here comes the blitz, the stunts, the loaded boxes, the overloads, all of the things that have become what we call Georgia football. And that, like I said, that 52-17, I said last week, and now I look like a fool, that Lane Kiffin's team, this is the best team he's ever had with a chance to beat the likes of a Georgia Buddy, they were they were not even in this game in the second oh, half. Yeah. They didn't – I mean, and it wasn't because they weren't trying. It's because they were overwhelmed by the sheer talent they were, yeah. and playmaking ability of, of Georgia. Here's the other thing. This Georgia team with Brock Bowers at tight end, along with Mims in the running game, looks much, much different than the Georgia we've seen the last couple weeks. And, I mean, this Georgia team has beat a very gamey Auburn, your guys, but they did it at Jordan-Hare. Missouri is an excellent football team, and Georgia handled Missouri. They just outlasted them, really, with their talent, their strength, their muscle. But this is a statement game, if there ever was one. And I, I saw people on the message board, oh, clearly Ole Miss isn't as good as everybody thinks. I promise you, Ole Miss is a really good football team. They are. But there is a really good, there's excellent, and then there's elite and yes. Georgia is elite. So I'm going to do my own segue here. Georgia, in my world, is back on top, number one. And they're on number one because they've got all the pieces of the puzzle back together. They're gelling with at the right time. You don't want to play your best football game one. You want to play your best football now, game 15, because that means you're winning the national championship. But, Terry, for our fans, you voted Michigan number one. I did. So... You and I are going to have a little fun here arguing over Michigan and Georgia. <laughs> um, so Michigan, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start. I didn't get to watch this game. I had to watch the highlights, and I watched what I recorded. Michigan goes into Happy Valley, 12 o'clock kickoff, which you all know I hate. And they just Yeah, especially dominate. for a big game. Why is it a noon game? A noon game. You were at the parade for Pete's sake until 3.30 or whatever yeah. it was. <laughs> It was ridiculous. <laughs> the longest longest parade in the history of the world that we love. There were a lot of Corvettes, a lot of Jeeps, a lot of ROTC. Let's see, what did I miss? A lot of motorcycles. And Terry yeah. is a good father, which is why he stood out there, because his <laughs> son was in the parade. But it did but, not rain, so well, I was really happy about that. 12 o'clock kickoff, and you got the two two of the big powerhouses. And this is going to lead into our firing conversation. 
Michigan walks in and physically imposes their will on Penn State, a team that wasn't allowing 75 yards a, a game allowed 250-ish. I don't remember the exact figure. I know you've got it sitting there in front of you. Um, Michigan did not throw the ball in the second half. Buddy, if that's not emasculating and just cutting someone's balls off, I don't know what is. Because what they're telling you is, we don't even have to throw the ball. We're just going to pound it, and we're going to use our big guys, and and we're doing it in your house in front of a hundred and whatever seven or eight thousand that showed up uh, to that football game. So, really great effort by Michigan. I don't believe they're the best team in football. I think that the outside issues probably gave them some motivation, but I also think the outside issues are going to become big issues before it's all said and done. With that. Hashtag blame Terry. He voted him number one, which is why we have a tie again at the top yeah. of our TNA poll. Well, here, here's my thought. It was a weird game to me. Um, it's almost impossible to really understand what to do with Michigan right now. I went ahead and, you know, I've been saying for a long time, I'm not putting Michigan on top until they play an elite team. And I knew that that Penn State game was coming in Happy Valley. And I felt like they, honestly, I felt like the fact that Jim Harbaugh was not on the sideline probably affected the play calling. They said, we're getting through this game without our coach. They've got hopes that they can get an injunction and get him back for the next game and then have him for Ohio State. So to me, it's really hard because, like you said, they just, they did what they wanted to do. They felt like they didn't have to pass. They ran the ball. They played defense. We liked that. Um, so it, it's kind of a hard game to grade. Um, obviously, you know, when I look down and say, what's well, a better game? I think that Georgia win over Ole Miss, I might consider the best win of the year from anybody. But um, I think this Michigan win over Penn State, to me, it left me with – I don't think this is showing what Michigan is just based on I think they adjusted to not having their coach, and they still did what they did. Um, so I'm going to give them credit. Their defense played well. I think both teams ran the ball pretty well, honestly. Penn State still got 160-something yards on the ground. Um, neither team passed the ball. It was like Iowa playing Iowa. It was crazy. Yeah, really, uh, really interesting game. I like your comment there that maybe Harbaugh's absence had something to do with this because I agree with you. Up next for Penn State, of course, is Maryland, and then they get Ohio State. But the way Maryland played against Nebraska, that Michigan team is not going to have a problem, I promise you, um, even if the quarterback's name is Tagovailoa because Nebraska forced three turnovers against Maryland um, just really – made Tagovailoa uncomfortable. Mike Loxley was at a loss. Maryland got in their own way with 10 penalties. Nebraska had one. So you're playing that kind of undisciplined football against an elite team like Michigan. It's probably going to be a 40-point loss the other direction with or without Harbaugh. Now the Ohio State game, and we're not going to eat rat poison, Terry, okay? We don't eat rat poison (laughs) around here. You got to get each game. That's why 
Alabama right now is getting ready for Chattanooga because, quite frankly, they they have a chance. Now, it's, you know, one in a billion, trillion, gazillion or whatever, or maybe me winning the lottery without a Powerball ticket chance, but Chattanooga has a chance against the Crimson Tide. Um, okay, but- Coach Saban. <laughs> Don't overlook Maryland, though, if you're if you're Michigan. Don't overlook them. But really, that Maryland team we saw play Ohio State, yeah. that was their peak. They're, they're not a good football team, unfortunately. They, they're mediocre at best, which is why they're 6-5 and five, or 6-4, uh, and four, excuse me. Um, you know, and like I said, Nebraska's mediocre. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll on them here shortly. But... Um, Speaking of rolling, Terry, what about Alabama in Kentucky? 49 to 21. Jalen Milroe making the case for the Heisman Trophy. The GOAT punching the ticket one more time to the West Championship. And uh Book without old Miss without old Mrs. Loss, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered. Right. Um and we get Georgia and we get Alabama December the second at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I think really, if the SCC's ending, you know, conferences, divisions rather, that's the way it really needed to go. The two best teams in the yeah, in the SCC definitely. really do need to be the ones to end this thing. Um but if you have anything else on Michigan Penn State, I or yeah. I think No, I think the Penn, only thing Oh, I know. We need to back up because Penn State fired their offensive coordinator. Talking about getting no offense. Yeah. Um, but, okay, James They've had Franklin, a decent offense got... against weaker teams. Yeah. They just haven't been able to do it against the two teams that really matter when it comes to that. But I well, consider and, this a scapegoat. And the two teams he can't beat. So that was what I was going to get at. Come on, Franklin. You've got the chance to beat them both. You know what your offensive coordinator is going to call. You really cannot put this one on the OC. Okay. This isn't Brian Ferentz at Iowa averaging 19 points a game for the last three seasons. You know what you have inside your offensive coordinator. Um, But they don't have a playmaker at Penn State. That's the other difference. You don't have those playmakers that you have at Ohio State and you have at Michigan. So in the offseason, they better get it together because Oregon's coming, Washington's coming, UCLA's coming, and God help us all, USC's coming. So – you know that those four teams are going to attract talent. So you better be able to compete with them. And that's really been Franklin's deficit. He's got a great win-loss record, but not against the top 25, not against the teams that matter, to your point, in the Big Ten. Yeah, you got to beat Wisconsin or Nebraska or Iowa or whoever, but you got to beat Penn State, or if you're Penn State, you've got to beat Ohio State. You've yeah. got to beat Michigan. You don't. You don't have a choice in yeah, the because you're not Rutgers. So now I mean, it's not like Rutgers saying that their head coach has to win these two games. This is Penn State. You know, this is a yeah. storied program in the Big Ten. You cannot continue to let these two teams, no matter how good they are no matter how established they are, no matter where they rank, even above you historically, you cannot let this continue. No, and now we know, provided Ohio State wins their game, and I'm sure they will, I don't even know who they're playing, and Michigan beats Maryland, I don't know um, that that's going to be a problem. 
We know that's going to be the game that you and I are going to be paying attention to outside of the Iron Bowl come Thanksgiving weekend. Because really, uh, except maybe the Pac-12, which is going to be a Friday night anyway, I think that's about a wrap for what we want to see other than, you know, I mean, there's going to be a couple of other games. But really, who wins the Big Big Ten is probably in the driver's seat for the playoff. So let me run down week 12 for you here. Uh, Michigan plays at Maryland. Yeah. Um, Minnesota plays at Ohio State. Well, there you go. 30-point yeah. loss. Go ahead. So Nebraska's at Wisconsin. I know you knew that already. Camp Illinois Randall, at Iowa. baby. And then uh, Rutgers at Penn State. And that's an interesting one to me is the Rutgers at Penn State because Rutgers, you know, they can play a little bit. And where is Penn State right now? You know, they fire right. their O.C., they they had hopes of this three-way tie that squashed. Where are their heads? What do they do this week to get ready for a Rutgers game that all of a sudden doesn't matter nearly as much? You know, they got a chance to go to the Rose Bowl, right? So um, maybe, maybe you still play for that. I don't know. Well, that's interesting. I haven't thought about the Rose Bowl. This just popped in my head. We're not going to have a Pac-12 next year. Nope. Wow. I'm interested in that. From a, I guess the Rose Bowl is part of the playoff, though. So that's kind yeah, of – Yeah, and I was going to say the Rose Bowl yeah. rotates in and out. And then who yeah. knows what they're going to do when we expand to 12. We did get a new commissioner for the big that's uh, true. college football that playoff. That comes next year, too. Man, next year is just like you need a software update for, for college football next year because there's so much yep. changing. It's crazy. Yep, and that's why I was saying that the uh, I don't know if you saw he's a lieutenant uh, lieutenant general out of the Air Force will now be the new commissioner of the college football playoff. So uh, he said he has a lot to learn, but he plans on doing it uh, doing it the same way he did when he was in the military. So we'll I don't know exactly what that's supposed to mean, <laughs> but but um, I did so see that Air Force comment. lost their second straight game. By the way, you know. They're making me look bad because I picked them to lose. And then they lost the next two after destroying the team that I said they would lose to. Well, I mean, I said Lane Kiffin had the best chance to beat Georgia (laughs) that he's had. 52-17 in Athens doesn't look like that was even close, buddy. Well, Um, we got big game Lane over there in Oxford. He just doesn't win the big ones. He, he, for whatever reason. And, And I know that there is a talent gap. There's some talent at Ole Miss, but there's a huge talent gap when he tries to go up against Alabama. He tries to go up against Georgia. Realistically, even when he goes against A&M or LSU or Auburn or Florida, there's just talent gap there. It's hard to recruit to Ole Miss. Well, and here's the other thing, and let's be honest about it. The the two blowouts he took this year, well, Alabama wasn't a blowout. as two touchdowns. Um, They were away games. Yeah, both of the both of those games. And I'm not saying that Georgia wouldn't have drummed them at Old Miss's house, but um, yeah, and Alabama wouldn't have won. But you go in and you said this about Jordan Hare. Mm-hmm. I mean, Georgia went into Jordan Hare and couldn't get it done. It's just something about being at your home stadium against the number one team. That's you know that's special for some of these guys. So, um. Yeah. I think, I think it's been yeah. huge this year. It's been huge for Auburn. Obviously, Auburn's not undefeated at home. 
but they played close. I mean, this is year one of a new coach. We didn't come in as a spectacular roster, but played a close game against Ole Miss and, and Georgia. We're not going to go with moral victories, but I'm just saying that's the facts. But um, the road games, like Texas A&M, just put it on Auburn. Uh, there was no being in that game. Um, so it, it's been huge for Auburn. I'm anxious to see how big it is for Georgia. That's one thing I'm not real sure about because that, honestly, you don't really think about Athens being a big college football atmosphere, just to be quite honest. That's not the first stadium you think about in the SEC when you think about a difficult atmosphere. But it was rocking the other night. I mean, I was watching that game, just, and they were rowdy. I don't know if you saw the pregame. Pat McAfee sings the Georgia fan song about being drunk and all this <laughs> stuff and barking. And, uh, but he had everybody. They had everybody, uh, even at game day, at 11 o'clock in the morning, had them rolling. I mean, the fans were ready to watch Georgia win that football game Saturday night. And I, I skipped over it, but that's why we don't have a format. Back it up, Terry. Put it in reverse, Terry. Read the shirt. Back up, Terry. Um, <laughs> best shirt ever, by the way. And that's an inside joke. Y'all got to know us better before we tell you that one. But uh, Georgia, Tennessee this weekend. After, if you're Tennessee, after the way Missouri just took your ass to school, doubled you up possession time, doubled you up offensively, shut you down defensively. Josh Heifel's Tennessee team scored seven points Saturday against Missouri that Georgia beat by 30. Now, we're not doing the better-than team math. Well, if Georgia beat Missouri and Missouri beat Tennessee – but what I am saying is... Yeah, Ole Miss Tennessee... beat Auburn by seven. Georgia beat Auburn <laughs> by seven. They didn't tie. That doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, But what I am saying is Tennessee's on the ropes right now because they, they got drummed in Columbia. Como, as we learned. They got <laughs> drummed in Como. And then they've got to turn around and they've got to play Georgia. And with Bowers back and Mims back and that defense clicking... I don't know that Tennessee, no matter what one of our buddies tells us, is even in the same zip code as Georgia right now. There, I mean, there's – you talk talent gap. You compare those two teams right now, and they, the disparity is huge. Between well, I got to tell you, and I look, I look at next year, I tell you, I am so excited – when we start having off-season episodes and it's starting to run up on next season, when we start talking about these conferences, the Big Ten adding the teams from the Pac-12 they're adding, the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma, getting rid of the divisions, you know, it's always been a can Tennessee beat Georgia thing. That goes out the window. Georgia's just one of the teams at this point, and it gets really crowded, and – You know, there's obviously the top teams. Georgia and Alabama are those top teams. Texas is going to come in and say, hey, we think we can do this. And that's going to be three huge teams right there. And Oklahoma, you know, obviously is who they are. And you're still going to have LSU. And, um, you know, Missouri and Tennessee and Auburn and A&M and Florida kind of get lost. And they're in this 
gob of teams, as I talk, call it, they're going to have to figure something out to lift themselves up to that other level, at least for the big games, because there's going to be big games all season long. You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to escape it. There's not going to be a simple stretch of SEC games anymore. I don't care who you are. There are too many good teams coming in. Same's going to be the case in the Big Ten. We look at it this year, and you've got the loaded up um, East, and then the West is is lacking, and we've talked about that. That's going away, too. Uh, are they doing divisions, or are they getting rid of divisions? Do you know? Everything is gone. It's, it's strictly one big conference. And you're talking about a conference that's been ruled largely by Ohio State the last yeah. two decades. Um, but you got Penn State there. You've got you've got uh, Wisconsin has had some luck. Nebraska has represented the West before with 10 win seasons. You've got Michigan. And now you're bringing in an immediate injection of talent with Oregon, Washington. Yes, I will say UCLA and USC. All of a sudden, we have potentially in front of 108,000 in the horseshoe, Oregon versus Ohio State to open conference play. Just as an example, those are the type of games that you're going to get now. And that whole mediocrity that the West has been playing, Wisconsin lost this weekend, Minnesota lost this weekend, Purdue maybe won this weekend, but doesn't matter because they're so far behind. Northwestern won this weekend, and they were behind, and Nebraska lost this weekend. And you're like, what the hell are y'all doing? And by the way, Iowa wins 22 to zero against Rutgers and did not cover the under. <laughs> they still made the under. So hey, they're counting you, on the other team to provide part of that. We say it. Dave says it. Timmy says it. Everybody says it that we love talks football. If you're betting on Iowa, take the under for the love of all things holy and sacred. Just take the under. Um, you know, but, I like the you, randomness of this episode, just to throw it out there, just to let you know. I don't know what you were yeah, about to say because I, mean, I cut you off there, but do you want to pick a game? <laughs> yeah, so my whole point was, my whole point was that you're going to have Iowa versus, you talk about matchups, you're going to have Iowa versus Washington at some point. You're going to have UCLA fly all the way from Southern Cal to Western Pennsylvania, or to New Jersey with Rutgers. You know, you just start naming all these these traveling. And the real losers on that end, a lot of it anyway, are those four West Coast teams. It's not going to be some easy sort of venture, you know. Um, well, they're also losing quarterbacks but, as they transition over. I mean, this is not going to be Bo Nix bringing Oregon to the Big Ten. This is not going to be um, Michael Penix returning to the Big Ten as the Washington quarterback. They're going to have or to Caleb figure Williams, out where the next potentially. guy is. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, right now we look over there and we see these great quarterbacks. Even UCLA has got a really good quarterback. But um, next year is going to be different. Man, I'm so freaking excited for next year. I mean, this this is going to be so fun. I, I, I want more good games. I, I'm so tired of – of having these stretches where teams are not tested. This this whole thing with Michigan wore me down. Nine weeks of not playing. You know, they played some good teams, but they didn't play anybody at an A level. 
at all. They didn't all play anybody year. that mattered. I'll say yeah. it. I'll say it because they romped Nebraska in Lincoln. Yeah. They didn't they didn't play anybody that mattered. And here's the other the other fun thing about this. You looked at our rankings, you look at the NCA rankings, the coaching rankings, whatever, but ours are right. Fuck everybody else. Exactly. Um even if we disagree, we, we <laughs> I think that's the first time I cussed tonight. I told you I'm in a calm mood. But uh anyway, Missouri would make the playoff. Just as an example, because there's 12 teams. Yeah. Missouri would make the playoff if you looked at our rankings and even the, the coaches poll in the AP rankings. Missouri at seven right. and two or eight and two would make the make the playoff. Um I like a team like that and also yeah. Penn State. You know, as much as Penn State has suffered through these two losses and they fired their offensive coordinator, scapegoat or whatever, we're talking about who deserves to to take the axe for this, how they've done in that. They're sitting there with the possibility of being in a 12-team playoff, and they might end up winning a couple of football games against somebody other than Ohio State and Michigan because it's it's that's what we haven't gotten before. With these conferences yep. not really playing each other through the season, you don't know if that third team that can't beat the top guys might blow away most of the other teams in the country. It's possible. Penn State still got a really good defense. I know that Michigan ran the ball on them. Penn State still has a really good defense. Yep, and that's not that's not even disputed. You know, there's yeah. no way to dispute that uh, any more than when you see a 21-12 or 2012 victory of Ohio State in Columbus with Penn State. They both have really good defenses. Uh, this weekend, Ohio State took Michigan State to task, and they should. But they let off the gas. They were up huge at halftime, and it ended up being 38-3. to So, um, you know, that's not a game either. So wow. I'm, like, I'm with you. you. You start talking about December football next year when we get to do this, and we're talking about the 12 teams in, and we're talking about not having to leave Oregon out, not having to leave Texas out, not having to leave Missouri out. That's a lot of fun right there because, quite frankly, right now, as far as I see it, Alabama's out, Oregon's out, and Texas is out. And you've got Georgia and Michigan, however you want to rank them, Ohio State and Florida State with Washington at five. That's my opinion. And that's really, you want to talk about the Washington game, Washington got just enough stops against Utah, but Utah took them to the limit Saturday afternoon with their backup quarterback if that was Bo Nix in Oregon playing him I think Washington loses Saturday I still think Oregon is the best football team in the Pac-12 I really thought Utah had a chance to win it when we did the preseason picks Washington is a good football team but they, they don't are. play enough defense they don't play enough defense for me to ever put them at number four ever. my concern is that I think Washington might be one of those teams that you watch and you think somebody's going to end up taking advantage of this and beating them, and then they never do. Washington might be that team. I got to tell you. And I know these are storied teams from USC in the early 2000s, but as an Auburn fan sitting at number three going undefeated in the SEC that season, I'm just begging for them to slip up enough you know, I remember watching them against like Washington State, and they go down by like three touchdowns or something. 
And then they UCLA, stormed back. UCLA took them to the wire those years. A lot and of it's time. just they stormed back with Reggie Bush and, and with Liner and uh, Lindell White, you know. They Troy Palomalu is your strong uh, safety. They just <laughs> they just stormed back in the blink of an eye. And then they would go down two touchdowns or 20 points and storm back and end up winning by 20. And it was the craziest thing because you think yeah. there, somebody's going to take advantage of that and beat them. And it just didn't happen. Yeah. And, maybe and you're Washington, right. And I'm not saying Washington is at that level. But there are teams that you look at it and you say there's no way they're going to go through the whole season undefeated, and they just do it. They figure out a way to do it. I don't know. No. Walking a tightrope. No, you're right, though. That that And that's where the danger is you walk that tightrope because, like you said, the gamble can pay off. Yeah. But then again, you're Washington, number four. Let's just say they make it in at four. Mm-hmm. Georgia makes it in at one. All of a sudden, you're drawing the Georgia Bulldogs. That's a hard out for anybody. I'm not saying Washington won't be ready to play. Caleb DeBoer will have him. Caleb DeBoer will have him ready to play. I'm just saying, you better bring everything that you got for these last because this is the last time we're going to see four teams only. I personally think 12's too many. I think an eight eight team playoff with no bye would have been perfect. The reason I think 12 is too many is that's a lot of weeks that we're going to run this playoff for the month of December or into January, you know, and then you're going to run the NFL playoffs right after that. So um, well, I think the combination when they talked about the 12 team playoff, I don't think they necessarily considered um, super conference was going to pretty much hit at the same time. And, um, and I'll call it that because we're getting some large conferences with a lot of good football teams. Now, it's probably going to just move more in that direction, and I love every bit of it, like I've said. But removal of the divisions is realistically creating another layer of playoffs to some degree. And um, if they had eight teams, fewer, larger conferences, more competition internal to the conference. And I've talked about, you know, the Sun Belt, I'm sorry but you're not winning a national championship. You're not going to a playoff. It's kind of a waste of time for you to be here. Terry, would you like to confess to our audience what you did with the computer poll, speaking of the Sunbelt Conference? I didn't do anything. I just put number. I, I hit the button. <clears throat> I hit the button on the computer poll this week. And let me tell mm-hmm. you, it's a good thing that we've got a top 10 because – James Madison has been lingering around 11 or 12 for weeks. Apparently, they blew somebody out enough this week that they jumped up to, like, number six or something. Oh, well. It is what it is. And and guess what? They can't even go to a bowl this year because they're in this transition period, which I think is pretty stupid. I don't know what the purpose of that is, but it is the rule. They agreed to it, so that's how it is. I'm not one of those, it was the rule – and we agreed to it, but now we bitch about it kind of people. It was part of the deal. Right. You knew it coming right. in. I don't think James Madison themselves are complaining. They're just glad to be playing football. They keep winning. Good for them. It's a different level. I mean, realistically. I know we've split Division One before, but I think, I think at some point they should have capped it at a certain number of teams they didn't do that we're up to 133 and that is just ridiculous i mean we have 
more than 10 times the number of teams as games in a season. And that ratio does not help anything. Anyway, the nerdy computer guy complaining about not enough data points basically is what it is. Let me go ahead and ask you, Terry. Who puts the data into the computer? I don't. The API, the, uh, I hit a button and it goes to the API. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and Terry, let me ask you, who wrote the program? I did. Who's the software engineer, Terry? I did, but let me tell you the difficulty. There, that's here. a lot of that's a lot of confessing. I'm I I, I, I you're under cross examination, sir. There's no well, no 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 explanations needed. Uh, I I rest my case. Hashtag <laughs> blame Terry for James Madison being see, in. See, we're having this conversation, but. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? James Madison may be the best team in the country, and we'll just never know it. But anyway, we move along. So let's go ahead and pick a game. We are all over the place, and I love it. I love the chaos of the show. We don't have to go down an itinerary. We talked about most of these games. Let's pick Georgia-Tennessee. Let's start it Oof. out big time. This is one we, of the only games that matters. Do we have matters. to? We have to. <laughs> hey, look, man, if you saw this schedule in the SEC this week, you'd be very thankful that Georgia-Tennessee was on the schedule. So I'll go first. I'm sitting here scrolling up and down. Where the hell did I put that? Okay. Are they in Knoxville or are they in, are they in Athens? I'm just curious. It is um, in Knoxville. See, okay. that could be a factor. But Tennessee has not really been showing up as a team that's going to compete here. But I do think it's going to help that they're in Knoxville. They're not. I think it may be more that they're not in Athens. Right, because I mean that game Saturday, that mm -hmm. that crowd was intense, mm -hmm. and uh, they're once, they're ready they're ready for the three peak Terry in Athens. I promise you, they are. Nobody's done it since Minnesota in like thirty seven, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean before Hitler we was alive. Okay, Hitler was alive. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. He was alive. And he was the Fuhrer the last time a three-time national champion was crowned. So here, here's what I'm thinking. I oh, think God. that Georgia's offense is um, is here to stay. So I think there's going to be some points. But I do think the fact that it is in Knoxville, um, Georgia's defense is not going to be as locked down as they might be. They might not be as pumped up with the home crowd kind of thing. So I'm going to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. Probably giving Tennessee too many points, but I'm going to go with 48-34 Uga in this one. Probably too close, put, but that's what I'm going. Put your shit in reverse, Terry. 45-14. Go dogs. Go dogs, Terry. Brock Bowers, four weeks post-surgery, is back on the field catching balls and taking tackles. They grabbed him around his legs a few times, and his ankle held up. Uh, Mims is back. They're going to run the ball. Six man in the box going to make uh, the quarterback of Tennessee, whose name escapes me, but he was the uh, the starter before Hendon Hooker took the job last year. Um, and unfortunately, the name just escapes me at this time. Decent quarterback, but when he has been under duress this year, what Missouri did to him, Georgia certainly can replicate, and then some. I think Georgia gets this done big. This is our stamp before we go play. Uh, who are they playing? South Carolina? Who do they play at the end? No, Clemson plays South Carolina. Georgia Tech. Before Georgia they Tech. go play Georgia Tech to get ready for Alabama, 
this is the last big hoorah that they're going to have, and it's going to be a big one. Give me 45-17 Georgia. Okay. Joe Milton the third. Thank you. Now, Thank I you. will also say this. You gave me two different scores. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. I think I think they were very similar, but you gave me two different scores. So you gave me 45-14, then you said 17. So did you did no, you make feel it bad 14. for No, okay. make it 14. They're not getting the field goal either. <laughs> make it 14. 45-14, go dogs yeah. all the way to Atlanta. All right. Sounds good. See, and the thing is, with these – with these divisions being clinched early, you got to wonder how it affects motivation. I don't think Kirby's going to let them not be motivated for the Tennessee game, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams this week whose motivation is completely different than it was last week. There's a lot of teams that are not going to have their head coach this week. <laughs> there's a lot that changed since last week. This has been a big shift in college football. And early, or maybe I'm wrong, but it just seems like they jumped Jimbo. Like you said, that was probably made Thursday. That decision was made Thursday. But even Thursday, you still got two two regular season games and a bowl game left, and they, they shit-canned his ass before we even got to championship Saturday. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, think- I don't know. I don't, I don't you know, want to I don't want to dwell on the Jimbo thing. It just seems early. It seems early to fire your football coach. Well, and then it's I like think, Mississippi State got permission. Effect. Yeah. When 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 one of them happened, the other SEC teams considering it said, We better do this now. Yeah. So all right, let's pick another game. We talked about the Big Ten. I talked about Rutgers at Penn State. I wonder about motivation for Penn State, right? They're not making the playoffs. They're not going to win the Big Ten. They're not winning their division unless some really weird shit happens. Rutgers, who, you know, we're not saying they're top of the Big Ten, but they're not at the bottom of the Big Ten either. Rutgers at Penn State this week, Andrew. You go first. Should be a blowout. What happens? Rutgers did not score a point against Iowa. Okay. Let me repeat myself. Rutgers did not score a point against Iowa, and there were 22 points scored in that game. Yeah. The over-under was 27 and a half. And if Terry is the producer he thinks he is, he's going to give me the over-under here because I don't have the notes in front of me. Um, That was not – yeah. (laughs) That I don't have. I just have text format for these. I'm sorry about that. I I called it – called his ass out, and then we got – Note for next week. (laughs) Note for next Next week. Next season will include that. What's the under? Maybe this Um, is the software I need to be writing to gather up all this info. I'm going to look it up anyway, but here's the deal. Rutgers didn't score a point. Iowa's defense – is nothing compared to that of Tennessee or Tennessee. Good Lord, Andrew. To Penn State. Not even close to the defensive prowess. Give me Penn State and let's make it 35 to 3. Okay. I'm gonna go 31 7. Now here's the thing. This week is not an easy week to find games to pick. Are there well, games that pick- are going to be? Are there are, games that are going to be more Alabama competitive? 
Well, are there games that are going to be more competitive than these? Sure, there are. But who the hell wants to listen to us pick Arkansas State against Pine Bluff or whatever? No, Alabama versus Chattanooga is rat poison, Terry, and I will not be told otherwise. <laughs> I will. I'll throw rat poison over to Tuscaloosa. Oh, Iowa, Illinois. To three. Illinois, Iowa playing this week. Yeah. For I those of that. you playing along at home. And Nebraska um, plays Be- Wisconsin. That should be a close Brett, one. Brett Belima still sucking on an air hose. I'm going to get to Nebraska. You just pump your brakes, Terry. <laughs> Put it in reverse. Hold on. Oh, shit. Michigan The over-under un- over for the Iowa-Illinois game in Iowa City. By the way, Iowa's at home. 30 and a half. No I don't chance. think they get there. I'm saying I don't think they get there. <laughs> Based on what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it should be it should be eight and a half if you want to call a real line. Um, because let's face it, Illinois, not a good football team. Iowa offensively sucks, but obviously their defense is getting the job done, you know. Um, and Iowa is favored to win 75%. Well, no shit. Okay. So um <laughs> Anyway, the Alabama game, by the way, is going to be like 56 to zero, you know, because they're getting warmed up for for Auburn, where at this show we go to Civil War next week. Um, And Miss Terry said it's going to be a tough game to play in Auburn this year. Now, he had to shut that down because it was a few weeks early to be talking about that game. Too early to be talking about Jordan Hare. That's right. She knows. Um, But the Nebraska – and Wisconsin game. Camp Randall, seven o'clock. It's a night game. They're gonna be ready in Wisconsin for their for their sixth win. Nebraska's gotta get a sixth win. This one's gonna be a defensive struggle. This is what this is what and and you personally got to see what somebody by the last name of Tagavaloa did to the SEC. Okay? We yeah. we agree. On second and twenty-four, he hit the go-home touchdown for the national championship. Amazing player, but yeah, his brother not the same player. Right, a player by the last name of Tagavaloa was held to thirteen points by my piddly little Nebraska Cornhuskers that committed five turnovers. It's not good football. It's not good football at all. Wisconsin has proven. They'll turn the ball over. They don't want to win either. So I expect the Nebraska – you want to talk about Nebraska-Wisconsin? This is a game that probably will be highly entertaining for no other reason than neither team's going to want to win the son of a bitch. I mean, they're going to give the ball up. They're going to be like water mistakes. You take the ball. Exactly. And let me get to my last point on on, uh, Marcus Scatterfield, the offensive coordinator of Nebraska. You – had your third string quarterback in the game because there were four turnovers already committed. He had to throw on a third down to keep the chains moving. He did. Then you run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. We get to third and goal. You decide to throw the ball in zone, pick into possession, put it back on the black shirts. They're tired. They let it's 10, 10 at this point. They let Maryland get in field goal range. The guy kicks the field goal ball game at the end, the end of regulation. 13 to 10. Your ass should be fired, and here's why. Now, this is where I'm going to get fired up, Terry, talking about this, this stupid decision. 
If you're the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the D coordinator, your job in games is to put your team in the best position to win the game. After committing three turnovers and then seeing an er, interceptions, rather, and seeing that your quarterback, the third string, Tubba Purdy, Brock Purdy's uh, brother, is running the ball, you call a pass play. What? In the actual fuck were we even thinking to call a pass play? It's 10 to 10. Your defense is locked down. They forced Tua and his offense to turn, or not Tua, Tagovailoa, excuse me. I forget what his first name is. Talia, that's it. Tagovailoa committed three turnovers at this point, Terry. You know your defense is good. Run the ball. If you don't get the touchdown, kick the field goal and let the black shirts do what they do. Instead, you call a bullshit pass into the end zone. That's what I'm talking about. I've seen it all over the message boards. Well, he's not playing. It's his first year, yada, yada. That may be true. Nebraska has 25 turnovers and 23 touchdowns this season. 25 turnovers, 23 touchdowns. You tell me he's doing a great job at offensive coordinator, no matter who's who's playing the ball. So... My thing is, Rule defended him today in his press conference. Fuck that shit. He called the play. It was absolute trash. You lost the game. That one's on you. And that's where I'm at with it. So this time, when we go to Camp Randall, let's do this. Let's run the fucking ball yeah. and then play defense. Because that's think there's... all you have. I think there's a little bit of parallel with Auburn and Nebraska here. But one thing I don't love, and this is it's probably going to hit on your thoughts too, Rule seems a little bit too okay with the first season just not being many wins. It's like we're playing for next year. We're playing from two years. From, I get that. But how about trying to win a football game today? And Well, you ran what, Casey Thompson out of town who would have made that pass, number one, and yeah. number two – would have made the fucking touchdown if you had called a run play. That's what, and you bring in Jeff Sims, who even the announcer Saturday said is a turnover machine. The announcers called him a turnover machine. This is not good. Your starter's hurt with a bad ankle sprain. Sims has turned the ball over three times. Uh, Chubba Purdy comes in cold. He, he goes ahead and he gets the first down on a good pass. It was a good play. And then you're running, 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 and you put that player in the position to fail the same way the Sims had when you took him out of the fucking game. Absolutely, 100%, bad call, doesn't make sense. Don't defend that shit. There was absolutely no reason for it, none whatsoever. And I will say this. Nebraska fans, as you know, because you know me, mm-hmm. are extremely loyal. But one thing that we are is highly intelligent about football. It's not a fan base that, oh, yeah, let's get drunk and cheer. You're gonna, these people are going to press for Scatterfield. And if Rule's not careful, Rule to be out of there already. Because those types of things, it's one thing to get your ass beat by Michigan because they're such a better football team than you. But when your piss-poor decision, you put that 20-year-old kid in the same position that 
that you had taken the other quarterback out of, you put him in that position. You set him up to fail. Don't do that pressure on third and goal for that kid to make that throw. In a, and we all know if you watch football, goal line defense, that window gets really tight. It does. You don't have the space you do when it's first and 10 on the 20 of your, your own 20. Yes. You're inside the 10-yard line. Those windows get real close. Yeah, that's and like box, we've talked they about. They like, route. Yeah, we've talked about Auburn's defense being vulnerable in the middle, short. But like you said, you get in the goal line, those really good cornerbacks and safeties are moving up, and they're filling that space. So all of a sudden, your goal line defense is a lot better than you are mm-hmm. marching down the field. Now, yeah. I speak a little bit to this parallel I've been talking about. I went to, I was curious about this. They're a day or a few, they're a little bit behind because they still got some guys ranked that have already been fired. But I'm sure you've been to coacheshotseat.com before. Matt Rule is in their top 10 right now. I was a little bit surprised because I don't usually see first year coaches listed in their stuff, but he's in their top 10. And that really kind of blew me away. Well, and the reason his seat gets hot is because Nebraska for the last six years has not made a bowl game. Yeah. Multiple three-win seasons. This is not Nebraska football if you grew up with it like I have. Uh, and, Terry, you're old enough, and, and like you said, a big enough football fan. You remember good Nebraska football. I mean, yes. it's just they're, they're, it's different. Um, and I'm not making excuses for the program or the team. Things have changed. They really, when they did the Callahan hire, is really the beginning of the end um, of the glory days, anyway, of Nebraska football in 2004. But we had Pelini, and he won 10 games. And they decided that wasn't enough. Right. You know, almost like fire and Jimbo. But the difference was Pelini had burned all the goodwill he had in Lincoln. All of it. He'd pissed off donors. He'd insulted fans. He'd run people out of the stadium. As of Saturday, even with that loss to Maryland, which was horseshit, mm-hmm. 395 consecutive sellouts. When Iowa comes to town in two weeks, the number's going to be 396. It, it, it's never going to stop. Right. Um, the same way as that they were ranked in the top 25 all those weeks and spent more weeks at number one than even the almighty Alabama. Um those numbers are never going to get beat ever, ever because of how good they were for so long. Right. But rule, you know, oh, he, and even the announcers, you hear this shit on TV. Well, he only wins two or three games his first season. Who, what? We're not playing to win two or three games. Right. If you don't come in to the University of Nebraska with the intention of winning, Scott Frost got a lot of goodwill because he was the home, he was the last. Last quarterback to win the national championship. Um, you know, Mike Riley was a terrible hire for Morgan State. Uh, Bo Pelini was an LSU Nebraska guy, tough, tough defensive coordinator, really great defensive mind, not a good organizer, not a good planner. And there are those head coaches or those those that, that are better coordinators. They're not head coaches. Will Muschamp was not a good head coach at Carolina or or Florida. That's right. Um, yeah, he won 10 and 11 games, but he couldn't sustain it. You know, he couldn't build a program. But you talk about a defensive coordinator, 
think about the days with him and Saban, and you see the videos of him screaming on the sidelines, and they're just going ballistic. He was a great defensive coordinator. He was not a good head football coach. Bo Pelini was the same thing. Um, yeah, he was at Solich, LSU. He was at Auburn twice, and he yeah. did well in all of those stints. Yeah, and Solich got shafted. You know, Solich yes. just got shafted. That's so, what I think uh, about. You know, I've thought about parallels. Obviously, I've complained about Auburn. Like, we'll have a, a coach that wins eight or nine football games a year, and then it's not good enough. And like then, Gus. Yeah, like Gus. And I think about Nebraska when I think of that. There's some parallels there with pulling the trigger on somebody's winning. And then what happens? You know, we end up with a guy, Harson, that from all reports just kind of changed everything for the worst. And my understanding is Hugh Freeze had up until recently said, you have the offense, I got to go recruit. And that's been the excuse up to this point. Now, last three games have been against Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. So, obviously, that's a little easier to win than Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. But um, he finally had to get involved. But the recruiting was so bad. Personnel was so bad. He knew that if I'm ever going to pull this into a program, I've got to recruit now. And it was kind of like, we're going to sacrifice losing some of these football games so that we can get some guys. And we'll see what happens. Well, it was a big weekend for Auburn in recruiting. I saw a graphic from Auburn football. Now that we do the show, I, I see them on Facebook all the time. <laughs> where you where you got a couple of five-star recruits this weekend committed. Flipped, flipped one from Florida. Yeah, Flipped one from Florida. Huge deal. Um, so he's got doing a five star of, receiver and we need him. Yep. But the other thing is, and you and I both can agree to this, um, Hugh Freeze needs to be the play caller and the head coach. Yeah. And I think he will be. I think he had so many things to fix that for a very long time. He said, I'm going to give you the chance to do it without me because I've got some really important business to do um, in recruiting. And I think from what he said, he, he said, I had to put my foot down. And I had to say, we're doing this. That's what's happening. We're not messing around trying this anymore. And they've done that. And it's been running the ball and playing defense. And it's helped because the passing game has opened up. It's funny how if you run the ball first, the passing game will open up. But if you try a bunch of cute stuff, it doesn't work. We no, yeah, and I mean, that's just that's just basic football. Yeah. You run the ball, you set up the play action, and then the next thing you know, you've got some open lanes. You know, you got some open windows for your guys. Yep. they got to be on their spot, but you've got the window. You know, and we'll get into it next week on our show. Freeze is going to be outgunned in, in the Iron Bowl. Oh, yeah, there's just a huge talent gap. I mean, Auburn, is gonna take, Auburn is going to need every bit of magic that Jordan Hare brings. And all it, it of the does curses. from time to time. I don't all, expect you know, it. I never go in expecting it. There's been seasons. I think only once with Saban there can I say that Auburn kept him out of the playoff. That was a few years ago. I don't remember the season. I was looking at it the other day. But um, Auburn gave them their second loss of the season. 
And, um, you know, that kept them out. That's only happened once. Auburn's beat them, and they still go win a national championship plenty of times. And that, that, that's the one that hurts, you know. You win against your rival, and then they go win the national championship. Nothing worse than that. You know, it is what no, it they're, is. And they're, like, they're so good right now. Yeah. You know, I, I we skipped it, it, it you know, because we're bouncing around. Which And like you said, this is kind of fun, playing loose. It is. Um, but I mentioned it in Lexington, 48-21. Saban and his team, Milrow, just rolling. Um. Yeah. Em- empty in the stands, as Saban likes to call it, because, you know, the home team's like, fuck this, we're out, you know? You guys are – and really, the game should have been 42-0 to zero at halftime, not 28-7. to seven. But Alabama turned the ball over two times, you know? So they gave Saban enough to coach on. But we talked about it. We talked about this old Miss game, 11-point spread. Missouri-Tennessee was like a seven-point spread. And then Alabama and Kentucky was like an 11-point spread. All three of those blown out of the water. And that's where I said you and I, you know, um, and like I said, we're bouncing all over the place, but at least I am. But that's where you and I had thought Georgia, Alabama, or Georgia, um, uh, Ole Miss would be closer. I thought Kentucky, you know, because we've seen a very good Kentucky football team. They were not a very good team Saturday. Alabama had their number Saturday. Um, obviously we joked about Chattanooga being rat poison, but the big game is Auburn, you know, I mean, they're going to run Chattanooga. The one thing about this super conference coming up next year is we're going to get rid of those bullshit games that nobody, I mean, cause they got to play nine games, don't they? Isn't that what the SEC agreed know. to? I, I, they got to play nine. I don't know. Or something. So I, I will say that next se- the next two seasons, they're not committing to a format yet. So, the way they did it, oh, okay. I think I kind of like this. Next season, half the teams play Oklahoma, and half the teams play Texas. And then they're the next the new guys season, on the block, they right? swap them. So within yeah. two years, everybody is either going to everybody's going to play one game against Oklahoma and one game against Texas. And I think maybe they wanted everybody to welcome the teams into the conference, but I think they also wanted a couple of years to plan what the schedule looks like the next season. Um, I'm concerned that there's some important rivalries that will go away. You know, Auburn, Georgia. Like Auburn, no Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Alabama, Tennessee. I mean, that's a huge rivalry. I don't want that. Al- Alabama, Auburn. Well, I think that one will be kept. I think they're just going to do one, and that's my concern because I think there's enough teams that have more than one that um, they should try to keep well, three, and and we're gonna get to get to yell at each other next week. And I'm I'm only kidding. <laughs> I just think that, that Alabama's gonna gonna beat Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But I honestly think Auburn can keep it close because it is at home. Uh, and we'll talk more about that next week. It may but look LSU, a lot like the Georgia LSU Ole Miss Alab- game. Alabama LSU Alabama LSU. I don't think so, Terry. I think you're not giving your team enough credit. I'll stop right what I was going to say. You really think Alabama's going to hang 50 no, on Auburn? No, so here, here's what I mean by that. Because Georgia Ole Miss was competitive on both sides for a little while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, and I could buy that. 
Because you know uh, Auburn's going to come fired up and ready yeah. to go, and, and you get that big surge in the adrenaline. Right. And then if Alabama, for instance, commits a turnover and mm -hmm. Auburn is able to take advantage of it, you're going to get that crowd into the game and fired up, and then Alabama is going to have to calm everybody down and then shut the crowd up. And the only way to do that is to just jam it, you know, right down their throats and, and run right. the ball and whatever. And, and I think it's really going to depend on – this is what happened with Georgia Ole Miss, and the reason I don't – I don't know that Georgia is that much better than Ole Miss. I think there was a moment where the momentum shifted and they were in Athens and there's just no turning back from it. Now, luckily, this is going to be an Auburn for us, so it's going to be harder for Alabama to do that. But they've done that in Auburn before. Um, so it's possible if there is that momentum shift that it, it just goes that way. But it's also possible it's a one-score game and somebody wins the game by one score. I mean, it could go either way, and that's what's so difficult about thinking about these rivalry games like that, especially when it's at the underdog's stadium. Right. No, and I agree, and there's been times we've both seen it over the last 15 years. Alabama was the odds-on favorite and lost the football game. Yeah, it happened. The year Saban, the year Saban called the, the field goal and they got the run back, that was absolutely one of the worst calls I've ever seen Nick Saban make. I thought he would have punted it and gone to overtime. Instead, he goes for the win. The field that couldn't catch you. They, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. They they had no chance against what was Chris what uh, Chris Davis. What was his Davis? Yeah. yeah, no chance against him. Once he broke that wave of defense, it was oh, yeah. bye bye, and they lost the game. Um, and I remember that one because it was on my birthday, and I was sitting inside of a Chili's. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I mean, just mad the things shit. we remember. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I think I had a big-ass margarita in front of me and then ended up with two more after that loss. But anyway. So did you really remember oh, it or not? Oh, this was the drinking days, homie. We used to get we used to get lit and yell at the television <laughs> watching football. But um, going to – where were we talking about where I was – I was saying something before we went back to the Auburn-Alabama thing. We were talking about Kentucky. Um, oh, and, and rivalry. Kentucky. Well, that and ri rivalries. The rivalry thing, yeah. The real quick to finish oh, yeah. that thought. No offense to the Iron Bowl because it's tradition, but LSU-Auburn, or LSU-Alabama, excuse me, is about as big of a rivalry inside the SEC as you're going to find these days. And if there was a way for the SEC to put Georgia and Alabama every single year against each other, they would figure it out, you know, if they could sell that. Because there's a hell of a rivalry too, but um, I know you're you're a longer fan of the of the SEC than I am, and you remember when LSU was not a good football team. Oh, they were trash. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry DiNardo, yeah, yeah. But in the seventies, they were good, and then they had like two decades where they were not good at all. I'm you waiting know? on them um, to be trash again. Come on, I need them to be trash. <laughs> I need both Mississippi schools to be trash. I need Florida to be trash. I need yep. a lot of trash. But, yeah, the Kentucky – finishing up that thought on the Kentucky game, Mark Stoops is a great football coach. I, Kentucky is a better-than-average football team, and they got made to look ordinary Saturday by Alabama. I mean, Alabama came out, and they look like the Crimson Tide that we come to know. And this has been one of those weird seasons where even Saban has said, you know, there were doubters and this and that, but I believed in my guys. 
I genuinely think that's the truth. I don't think he was just putting on for the media, and here's why. He recruited them all. They're his guys. It's not – he didn't pick Jalen Milrow saying, well, I guess you'll do. You know, that's not how he's wired. He doesn't do those sort of things. He's – you know, would he have liked to have LSU's quarterback? Probably. Um, but would – 600 would yards of offense this weekend. Yeah, would Daniels, though, in all seriousness, fit into an Alabama program? Who knows? But his guy is Jalen Jalen Milrow, and, I mean, Milrow had four or five touchdowns, and he's he's slowly making his way up the national – or the Heisman Trophy things and getting a lot of national attention. But I just didn't expect Kentucky to take that L that badly. Just didn't never saw that one coming. Not like that. Not 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 forty nine twenty one. Yeah, and you said it. I think you know Stoops is a good coach. I think we know that. But I think no matter how well he does at Kentucky, it is still going to be very difficult to get the players to get the depth to compete with these big programs. And I think when you face an Alabama like that. They're going to lean on that athleticism, and it's going to end up that way. And, it, and you know, when some coaches have gotten fired, Saban will say, I don't know where, why we're firing this coach. He's a good football coach or whatever. And it's based on – I think there's been a little bit of nuance this year of, you know, we see Saban screaming at his players – but this year, he, he showed a little bit more understanding, even to the point where Miss Terry told him he needed to chew him out a little bit because I think he knew this was not the same kind of team that he's had. This is a team that is a little bit earlier in the learning process. They are not the same players he's had before. They need the message that he knows they can do it, and he's repeatedly said that. And he finally got through to them. They learned what they needed to learn. They understood what they needed to do. They've improved, and they are where they are now. And, as I say almost every week, uh, not Roll Tide Terry. We'll get there, you know, at some <laughs> point. I'll, I'll let you have one, because Roll Tide Terry is in the house. But um, <laughs> you said it once, I'll never let you remember That's the it. only one. <laughs> but it the thing is, is they're playing their best football at the end of the season. And that that's really when it all matters anyway. You know, does a one-loss Alabama that beats Georgia in the SEC title game make the playoffs? And the answer is yes. That's it. Yeah, the answer loss. is yes. Yeah. One-loss Alabama makes playoffs. One-loss Georgia, if it's close, probably makes the playoff. It really... Probably. I don't know. But it know. also depends on what happens in the Big Ten. Yeah. And what, what happens out West. Because, quite frankly, I think the Big Ten or Big 12, excuse me, they're on the outs of this one. I don't think Texas or Oklahoma get in. I think Oklahoma's got two losses anyway. But I don't think Texas gets in. I think they're, they're done. Um, I think the thing honestly. that keeps Georgia out, if that happens, is the fact that Michigan and Ohio State are in the same division. And they have to have a really good football game that's really yeah. even. Like right. you're talking three, no, three or seven points or something. No, if there's a blowout, it changes everything. Yeah. If, yeah. I mean, if, if yeah. either of those – yeah, that's true. But I, I think 
they value not going to the championship game more than they value going and losing. For whatever and reason, I will argue, it's just another football game. And I'll argue this, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing the hypotheticals in a week and a half or two weeks. Mm-hmm. If Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 title game, Washington's out. Oh, yeah. One loss Washington doesn't make the playoff. I don't regardless know. That, of, regardless of the rest seeing, of the way it shakes up. I mean, I honestly, I've been pushing Oregon all year, but I have a hard time even seeing a one loss Oregon winning the Pac 12 without some help. Well, let's know, talk about it. It's their turn. Oregon takes down USC 10 30 at night, Terry. Believe it or not, I managed to watch half this game live. Um, 10.30 is a really late kickoff time when I'm on East, East I was Coast at wrestling. You know. Um, but Oregon comes out, a couple of drives, bam, 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 bam. Then they kind of let up a little bit, but they always had control of the game. Caleb Williams was not able to do all of the special things that he does because they played a real defense. You know, Oregon can play D. And... um this one was in Eugene. Quite frankly, what did it end up being? Ten points. I thought Oregon was going to win this one by three touchdowns. So USC, uh, is, uh, USC and Colorado both. We've talked about comparing them. USC's a little better version of Colorado. Both of them can come out and really play a close game with somebody. Both of them can come out and get waxed. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, and the thing is with Washington. You know, if we're going to compare up, we talked a little bit about Utah taking them to the limit. They had some penalties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Washington should be grateful they're still undefeated after a couple of these games that they've had. Yep. Um, I don't know that Cam Rising would have made all the difference in the world. Bryson Barnes did a great job as Utah's quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes to show you how poor Washington's defense is when this Bryson Barnes Utah led Utah team that Oregon shut down scores 28 points. Yeah. <clears throat> and I get 28 points ain't a lot in the Pac-12. But Utah held Washington to 35. Iowa would love 28 points. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so when you start talking about the Big 12, or the Big Pac-12, excuse me, I keep doing that. When we talk about the Pac-12, yeah, and we say 100 points Pac, is truly... Next year. And under yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. The uh we're not changing the fucking logo for them California hippies, Terry. <laughs> Fuck you as they're bringing the offense with them. Oh, uh, they all need it. And, and that's what I'm saying. There's gonna you could you can theoretically have a hundred point over under with those four teams that they're bringing to the pack yeah. to the big ten. With Oregon, UCLA, Washington, and, and USC, you could theoretically have a hundred point over under with them. At okay. Iowa, and we're going to get a 50-point over-under, but that's because 40 of them are going to get scored by Washington. Okay. Anyway. So so now, uh, that's a good segue because we already talked about Michigan, but you know we talk about changes in, in the arrangement of the conferences, and then we got Michigan up there, a bunch of crybabies acting like, we're going to go to the SEC. My stance from an SEC fan, I don't want the SEC to expand out that far. One thing at least the SEC has done, you know, they pulled in Texas, they pulled in Missouri, but the SEC is contiguous. We don't have these random teams over in California, you know, 
in in Virginia, in Ohio, in Michigan to join our league that is contiguous here. I want to stay contiguous. You know, you can argue whether Missouri's part of the South, whatever, but it's connected to Arkansas. You know, uh, I don't want to get too much into geography. I'm going to say something that's wrong and prove my stupidity. But, you know, at least in my opinion, I kind of like the regional aspects of this. From a football perspective, I like better, more good teams coming together. But from an SEC fan perspective, you know, even if Michigan were available, you don't turn Michigan down. But it would really suck to me to see the map. You got all these dots down here, and all of a sudden Michigan's way up top. Yeah, I just, I just don't like it. Terry Not likes maps, actually. ladies and gentlemen. That I is do. a fact. I I have text messages to prove <laughs> that Terry is a map guy. But, Bringing you know, up ancient I mean, history. It's a valid point, but the thing is, is how many teams is too many teams? The Big Ten has 18 teams as of next year. Yeah. 18 teams. You talk about a clusterfuck if you got three undefeated teams at the top of that conference. Yeah. You're I mean, who you leave out and how do you leave them out becomes the question. Who's got the prettiest girlfriend is going to be the tiebreaker. I mean, there's got to be a tiebreaker. It's got to be something. Shit. Um, uh, The Michigan thing, Harbaugh threatening to leave is hilarious because the Big Ten, as much as Michigan can say they hate them, there's so much damn money out there, Terry, in terms of, you know, branding, television rights. Fuck, you had to buy Peacock to see Nebraska play Maryland this this week <laughs> because it's got that NBC exclusive. You know what I mean? So yes. um, I, I already own Peacock, but for completely different but reasons. But what right. bothers me, I think that there was a game on Peacock, but at the same time, there was not an NBC game. It's like, what the hell? Come on. That mi- Yeah, that might be it But because um, there was some complaints there. But the point is you got the Peacock or whatever, and – so they got all these exclusive rights, streaming rights, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're not going anywhere because they've got to sh- – now you're going to cut into Alabama-Georgia money? Get out of here, please. Like that's a – like you have a prayer, you know? Uh, there's a reason that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban's combined salaries is $23 million a year. I'm just saying. I'm and then just you got to throw Texas – we know what Texas is. Texas – They got their own And their greed – yeah, I mean – that they've been blamed for ruining conferences for years now, right? So, um, yep. I hope the SEC said, "Hey, you come to our place. This is how things are done. Don't bring that bunch of nonsense over here." I hope it that's happened right. that way. I mean, that's the only way it's going to work. Because don't be threatening to mess up our conference. We've got a long history here. Don't be doing. It. And that's the thing about the SEC and the Big Ten. The other conferences don't have that, and and. That's what bothers me a little bit about the overexpansion or overexpansion of the footprint because it takes away from that lengthy storied history of these conferences that they've added. Both of them have added over the years, but it's been fairly close teams. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just complaining for nothing, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know. No, man, like I said, there's going to be a lot. You know, obviously, we've talked a lot about the, the potential for next year and the expansion. We got to get through this week. Ohio State, we kept it number three. They roll on. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Florida State, though. And it's not, Let's... oh, let me back up. I don't <laughs> want to, 
for my my one Ohio State fan that I know listens to the show or at least likes our tweets, Yambag. It was Michigan State. It's thirty eight to three. Good job. Nobody cares. Thirty five in the know. first half. I mean, I did not. You know, and I, I think I've made the statement for a while now. The only reason I wasn't putting Michigan on top was that they did not have that win. And now they've got that yep. win. And I yep. held my end of the bargain. And Georgia did what Georgia did to a very good old Miss team. So this wasn't me saying Ohio State did bad. Obviously, they dominated a conference team. But um, there's – there's only so many number ones you can give and only so many number twos. But beat Michigan, and that story will change. You've got your opportunity coming up. So let's and you definitely on. have the have the case to be number one if you take Michigan down. I don't yes. care who you are. Exactly. Um, so you're right. Move on. Our last one in the top ten we haven't talked about, Florida State. Florida State loses or wins by seven against Miami. We knew that this game had some history, some rivalry. They spent all of the game showing all the different features, um, you know, of of the the, the aspects of the rivalry. Um, whether it was Dennis, what's his name from the early '90s with Bobby Bowden, along with Jimmy Johnson and all the rest of them, um, for this Miami Florida State game. Florida State played down to Miami, in my opinion. I really don't care what anybody thinks Miami is not that good of a football team that the number four team in the country should have played that close. The reason if anyone cares why Washington stayed at number five in my world versus verse actually they didn't even stay at number five in my world. Um, Oregon did, but Florida state has played defense before has a resume has beat some teams and I'm going to write it off as this has got to be one of their two shit games they play this year. But, and I get it was Miami. I get that there's a level of intensity, but this is the time you need to shine because you got one more game and then you got Florida. And I think I said it last week, Florida is a better football team than Miami. I think, um, but it's we've also seen, depends on what we've also seen Florida. Yeah. We've also seen Florida. They got beat by Arkansas. To, Lose to Arkansas, put up lose seven hundred yards against LSU this past weekend. That was absolutely insane. They blasted um, Tennessee, but then they blasted Tennessee. Yeah, um. So like, and and then Utah beat them. So it's like, what Florida team, um, is is going to be there? You said it. What team shows up? So, um. Well, here here's a, a stat of, a from the Florida arms, State game. But, You're talking about Florida State. Florida State had 57 rushing yards against Miami. They ran for 1.8 yards a carry. That needs to improve. If you're going to be up there, and I've been putting Florida State at number four every week, I would love to be uh, convinced to move them higher, but they are not at the level of those other three teams. I'm not dropping them down because I think they're good. They keep winning. They're playing um, – some decent football teams. You know, Miami has shown up and played some good games. This is a rivalry game. Obviously, there's a little more passion in rivalry games. So I give them credit sure. for that. But they're going to stay at number four unless something – either they get beat or they really come out and um, put it on Florida. 
you know. And and as good as good as Penix is, I just can't put Washington in the top five. Yeah. Or top four. Uh, I can't put Washington in the top four knowing that number one, Oregon's a better football team. Um, but number two, okay, so let's put Washington at three and Ohio State's two or Michigan's two or Georgia's two or whatever. And that's gonna be an ugly football game. No, then we got Texas those, with the one loss, and they're beating TCU by three points. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, not impressing anybody either. I mean, I know you no. got this win against Alabama decades ago at the start of the season. Yeah, it you, no longer matters. It no know, longer Herb that Street, win I'm against... listening to Herb Street say, "Well, you can't put Alabama over Texas." Ridiculous! Don't put rules me. on me. This is crazy. These teams are completely different than they were. Now I know. People don't go into Tuscaloosa and win by that many points. So at that point of the season, they were better. They are not better now. They better show up and start playing, or they may not even win their conference. And there's not other good teams in their conference that are really at that level. So they need to show they're the class of that conference and impress somebody. They're going to have a hard time getting into this playoff. I absolutely agree. Um, I I don't think Texas makes it. I don't think they make it at all. It's going to have to they, be chaos, complete and, chaos. And I mean, they're going to have to have a lot of fucking help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alabama's going to have to lose to Auburn and beat Georgia, and you know Tennessee's going to have to beat oh, yeah. Georgia, and Washington's going to have to lose to Oregon, and Oregon's going to have to lose to Civil War to Oregon State before they get to the pack. You understand what I'm saying, Terry? I'm being ridiculous at this point. And I hope but that's it all the type happens. of. <laughs> but that's the type of stuff that's going to have to happen. You led with Auburn for... beating Alabama. I hope it all happens. <laughs> there you go. So why don't we pick another game? I am Let's. in the Big 12. We talked about it a little bit. A couple of teams that are not not great teams, but fairly evenly matched. They both played some good games this year. They've been ranked. Um, they've had some disappointing games. Kansas State is playing at Kansas this week. Okay. I've I've got Kansas 28-21. I'll take Kansas State because of my love for Bill Schneider. Give me 27-24, Kansas State. All right. Finally, we disagree on one. See, this is the kind of game I had to look for this week. Now, I didn't – I purposely not picked Auburn or Nebraska for these pick'em games. <laughs> why not i don't know maybe next year i'll consider that maybe maybe the last maybe the last game of the season we start talking iron bowl and that kind of thing we might i'm doing the number of games i'm doing some on the fly research don't mind me terry hold on okay well let me see maybe we can pick another um what's my next game here i'm having to do a search Okay, we've talked a little bit of pack. We talked Utah earlier. Utah is visiting Arizona. This is an interesting game to me because this this should be good. This I was going to say, this one has potential to be one of the best games you'll see all weekend long. And I, I sincerely mean that because both of these teams are fairly even. These are teams that you don't see do the high-flying Pac-12 offense, a little more traditional Definitely rooted in defense, good ground game, good running game. Um, so it's at 230 Pac 12. It is at Arizona. It is. But I'm going I'm going with the Utes. I'll pick this one first. 
I'm going with the Utah Utes. Um, Bryson Barnes has been on a roll. Obviously, he's not going to score the same amount of points as Washington. 21-17, Utah. Okay. I got him a little bit higher, and I'm going with Zona, the home team, to beat Utah 24-21. So we disagreed with two. This might be the most intriguing game in the Pac-12. We're picking two Pac-12 games this week. There's been weeks that I didn't want to pick one. But Washington at Oregon State. In it, Cor- Corvallis. So this is in very intriguing. And I think and this is a not game. 7.30 ABC. It's your prime time, buddy. Oh, this, this gets really nice. This is the, you know, the 9.30 games I absolutely despise. Or it'd be 10.30 your time, you know. Eastern Standard, sir. <laughs> This time of night, I can deal with this. This I consider a night game. I consider those other ones Taco Bell time, you know. Um, I will pick this one first, and I haven't even thought about it too much. Oregon State and Washington. Man, I want to pick Oregon State to win this, but I just can't do it. I'm going 42-35 Washington. Put it in reverse, Terry. Way too many points. Way too high a score. Oregon State with the upset in Corvallis. They've beat the beat. They've beat Oregon in the Civil War. They're getting ready again here to beat the number one or team in the Pac-12, number five team in the country. Give me Oregon State thirty-one, Washington thirty. Wow, man! I hope it's that good. All right, that's our five picks. And I think we've rambled around. We've hit on a lot of different topics. You know, we didn't even mention Dion, but um Coach Prime? Coach Prime. He's, and you know, Stephen A. Smith comes again. out saying that Texas AM needs to hire Dion. And I'm still sitting here going, show me where he has proven that he can build a program. We are still optimistic about it, but my goodness, he has won four freaking football games this year. Why do we think he is the mastermind behind building a program? Because that's three more than last year. Okay. (laughs) And he's going to run out of sons. Everybody's everybody's talking about Colorado football right now. Well, let me tell you what happened. They're four and six. (laughs) He got a decommit. And the guy said, "I did see that. I don't know if Dion no. is going to even be there. That's going to the catch thing. up with him. Yeah, you know, and you know he um, demoted his offensive coordinator, and he is getting trashed for that by analysts. And um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I'm not going to say he's not going to do well next year at Colorado. I don't see him leaving this year." He's not going to leave his son behind, and I don't think they can – I think they are limited on the number of transfer portal moves they can do. So, I think he's in Colorado at least until his sons are not there. That's my opinion. Yeah, because he's, he's got both Shador and Shiloh, so right. um, both there. And and the one thing about Dion is, and, and, and we joke about it, because the Florida State job's no longer available as long as Mike Norvell keeps Oh, winning. but he, he's not a Florida State guy. He said it. 
Yeah, whatever. He's not a Seminole. That yeah, the hell he wasn't. <laughs> uh, he played for Bobby Bowden the same as all the rest of them. Ugh. But uh, but the deal with A and M, they're dumb enough to write Jimbo a hundred million dollar check. You don't think they'd write Dion one if they thought they could do it? If they somehow thought they could get all the dominoes in place to write Dion Sanders a fucking hundred million dollar check? Because quite frankly. Texas A&M is the ugly girl at the bar at the end of the night. They've been left out for so long that they're willing to pay for it at this point just to get themselves some. And that's honestly what they're going to have to do. I love that analogy. Terry, you need to clip <laughs> that for TikTok. Texas A&M is the ugly girl at the end of the night at the bar. Ugly man, if that's your thing. But listen, this is the deal. They're going to have to pay for it and... Well, who better than Coach Prime to get damn Texas A&M relevant again, you know? Um, well, at some point also, and I don't know, I've never been a football coach. Could you imagine him in College Station, though? That would be out In the SEC, at SEC Media Days with Dion, oh, <laughs> Lane Kiffin and Dion going at each other's throat. Oh, my goodness. I hope he goes Me to Texas A&M. Meanwhile, you know, Kirby and, and, and Saban over there sipping their Coke Zeros or whatever, like, look at these idiots. We're winning championships, and they're, they're worried about sound bites, you know? Well, what I was going to say, though, I've never been a football coach, so I can't tell you how this works. But, I mean, if he makes a bunch of weird moves like he has with this OC thing, do coaches not want to work for him? I mean, if he's going to be so unpredictable with players, and he's kind of pushed back on some of that. He said, I didn't kick that many players off my team. A big chunk of them left. Now, we know that leaving, even though it's your decision, sometimes is not your decision. So maybe right. that's how it happened, and maybe that's the gray area, and he's stating it that way or whatever. But when you talk about um, if you don't have a little bit of trust in your head coach to support you as a coordinator, maybe you don't go there. And maybe he'll have a hard time finding assistant coaches. I don't know. Like I said, I've never been a football coach, so I can't speak to it. But, you know, there's never quite been a head coach like Deion Sanders or anything no, else he, like Deion Sanders. And he's a draw. I mean, he's a he draw, is. not because of a record. There are some positives. I mean, there he's are some definite draw positives. because of who he is. It's all his personality. It's He's not a draw because he's lost 29 games in the SEC like Nick Saban. He's not a draw because he's, you know, Jim Harbaugh is on this roll after having a terrible start at Michigan. He's not Ryan Day at Ohio State. He's not even Lincoln Riley at USC that right. has produced – three Heisman Trophy winners. But he's controversial. He's, you know, a lightning bolt. That's how Trump won the 16 election, and we don't talk politics on this show, but he was the center of everything that happened in 2016. If he Dion thought it, he said it. <laughs> Dion has, does the same thing. pretty successfully made himself the center of college football for a lot of this season, you know, with what he does. So, um... Good on him, but A&M would be the type of team that would hire Deion Sanders because they are that stupid. And when I say stupid, I mean with their money 
and their resources. Because quite frankly, at College Station, they don't have anything else. They don't. They, they don't have right. anything else. So, anyway. So this has been fun. Different format. <laughs> We're kind of all over the place, but I love it because there's so many things to talk about that are not just going through the box scores. We had all the info from the box scores here. We talked to some of that. So much coaches firing stuff, looking forward to certain championship games, talking about next season and things. Really, next year will be a season like none other that we have seen in college football, and I am so excited to experience it. And I almost left this out for the for the week. We know that everybody anticipates this. James Madison from the Sun Belt. Stays undefeated with a win against UConn, forty-four to six, and Liberty from Conference USA, thirty-eight to ten over Old Dominion. So my computer poll <laughs> is still holding on to those facts. I'm praying for losses for these teams, not really, but there's a little egg on my face with the computer poll as James Madison creeps up. They may be number one this week, depending on how they play at Appalachian State, but we'll see. But Any if it, there's a team go? on that, if there's a team that's going to beat them, I'd I'd vote for App State or bet on App State because we know what they can do. Yep. So uh, no, Terry, this is a lot of fun. We're getting we're trying to get better. Um, I had a conversation with somebody I very much like, respect, and admire today who who is a professional podcaster because he gets paid money for it, and he said, "Well, what do you and Terry want to do?" And I said, "We're having fun." Right now, we're just having fun, you know. Um, is there a, a goal of monetizing this show right now? No. What we're trying to do is figure out what we're doing and then, you know, get a bigger audience and then get more people involved and all that fun stuff. I don't need to make money off of this at all. And I think once you attach a dollar figure to something, then it changes to the point where it gets serious. it's not it's not the same. I want to keep it loose and light and make fun of you. And you make fun of me. And I tell you to have another drink. Cause you're funny when you're drunk and all of this <laughs> stuff. And you're like, no, don't do that. We'll get off script. That's the point, Terry, let's get off script. But no, seriously, there are people that make a shitload of money podcasting. Terry yep. and I will probably not be those people. We don't have the time, the equipment, the editing. Um, I mean, we just, we just don't, have all of that um at our disposal you know terry's got children i have a 50 hour a week job he also works don't get me wrong but the kids come before the job and i know that but we got all of these other things in our lives so we really do want to make sure that we say this we're coming into thanksgiving week next week but we really genuinely appreciate anybody that has listened to us engaged with us tweeted us, told me on Facebook I was wrong about their football team, and then I can statistically show you that I was correct because that's the way and this that game team works. Gets blasted. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We share those. We say, remember when so-and-so said that we were wrong about this? Look how bad they got beat this week. <laughs> exactly. Those are the fun ones. But in all seriousness, we really appreciate the love, the support. Um if you like what we're doing, tell us. If you don't like what we're doing, you can tell us. We'll probably ignore you because we're going to keep on doing this. But um, we really do have a good time. Terry and I are very good friends. 
Yep. I hope that comes through on the show. Even when we try to argue with each other, or I try to rib him or he, he tries to rib me, which is only him being serious all the time. Um, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I never thought I'd be a podcaster. I do research for some podcasts. I, I, I do some behind the scenes stuff. I'm not on camera. I'm not on the microphone. Well, I am now. And y'all get to hear my craziness, which is probably why I'm not on the camera and I've never been on the microphone before. But again, that's a very long way of me just saying thank you. We appreciate anybody listens to us. We want you to engage with us. We want to have a good time with y'all. Um, this is fun. This isn't serious. My name isn't Stephen A. Smith. I do not work for ESPN. I don't get a paycheck for doing this. So when I'm wrong by 30 points on a pick, it's cool. Because I wasn't supposed to get it right in the first place. All right. So and we learn something every week. I mean, that's the thing. We we do our top ten based on what we know, um, what we feel like we can uh we can fill in the gaps with, but we're gonna be wrong a lot and we've been wrong a lot. We'll continue to be wrong a lot, but we're gonna have fun doing it. We're gonna watch a lot of football and we love doing that. Spend some time together once a week. That's wonderful eventually go to some football games together. We'll be in Tuscaloosa next year. I'm hoping that Hugh Freeze gets them ready for that one, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, no it's been fun. Chance. As always, I'm Terry. He's Andrew. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. We are TNA Top 10 on all social media. I'm TWeave79. He's 30-year fan. We're available weekly where you get your podcasts. Like, subscribe, and share. Thank you.